Like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. So with that, good morning, folks. Good morning, good morning. I'm a little rusty, just so you know. So, so Susan and I celebrated our, our beautiful wedding by getting out to California for a couple weeks. So that was really fun. It was good stuff. It was a, uh, yeah, just, just a wonderful experience. And, and uh, yeah, sort of being on the user end of the wedding thing was kind of funny because, because I do a lot more weddings. And, uh, you know, the whole thing of like, yep, learning to just let go, let go, let go, let go. And it was beautiful, wonderful, incredible. And thank you folks for all the well wishes over that time period. And it just, it just was a reminder, again, you know, this is a quote I use all the time. Mother Teresa said, we will have peace when we remember this. We remember we belong to each other. And I feel like, boy, that's one of those quotes we should tell ourselves in the mirror every morning. Because it's, it's true, we go through these events and these, these beautiful threshold events, and some of the time threshold events are really hard, but, but weddings and rehearsal dinners and, and all that, it's, it's, it's these beautiful threshold moments where you really get a sense of like, oh yeah, we belong to each other. And then going out there to California and having dinner with some dear friends, many of whom are connected to New Church Live, was, was just so precious and so sweet and incredibly wonderful. And even watching technology, like how technology works. So we, we, we pre-recorded a service, and that was the one we used last Sunday. But a lot of people didn't know that. So literally, I'm in California getting text messages about the service, you know, as I'm out there enjoying the flora and fauna of Napa Valley. It's just a different world. And, 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 and folks, and this is something I've been thinking a lot about, just, just how many people, you know, we, we yearn for these, this kind of connectedness in our lives. We really want it. And we live in an era where, where technology can pull us aside, uh, divisions can pull us aside. There's lots that's kind of distracting at this point in time in, in community and world history. And so much of church and synagogue and mosque and all those things is about coming back together. Not coming back together in sort of a, a homogeneous, like we all believe the same thing. Let me tell you, New Church Live, we got as far left as you can find and as far right as you can find. And it all works because, because I think we're focused on something bigger. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Something that's, that's beyond that, that points us in a way forward. And that, that's just fun to watch. And that's sort of part of the genesis of this next series. It's called Life Worth Living. Now, now a couple of things. Uh, this series has been cooking for a while. And, and there's lots of beautiful scriptural stuff we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And, and a book we're going to be looking at, big surprise, the title of the book is Life Worth Living. You're more than welcome to join our book club, which is coming up on that. You can find more information on our homepage. And, and I just, I love the title, Life Worth Living, because I think a lot of the time it's easy for us to use this phrase, a life worth living. And oh, there's, there's, a, there's just this little, little difference between those two phrases, a life worth living versus life worth living. When I think of a life worth living, I think of, boy, I wish I was a movie star. You know that there is a life, there's some kind of perfect life out there and that that's what we should all aspire to or, or fit into or dream to. But maybe we can hear something different. Instead of a life worth living, we just come to like, oh yeah, there's this force called life. And that force 
called life is worth living. I love the phrase, remember that old movie and book, A River Runs Through It? I think that's it. And we can make any time in our life, we can choose to swim against the current. But life worth living is much more about swimming with the current. Much more about integrating into what God is doing in our lives and not fighting it so much. And just being at peace and watching, watching it flow. Because we can get all caught up. Here's, here's, here's a secret about going on, a, going on my Heyman. It was the first time I've taken two weeks off <laughs> as a pastor. I highly recommend taking two weeks off. <laughs> it was really nice because because you just, you just shift gears and it just, you're just in a different space. And just away from all the, you know, the, the just the rinse, wash, repeat of life. And that's what we're going to take a look at. And, and I want to talk about, you know, with, with this life worth living, that it's really about some beautiful questions. And, and there's lots of questions we're going to look at, lots of questions that will be part of conversations with small group. Here are just three I was thinking of. What is worth wanting? That's a great question. Not what do you want. For me, that'd be a cheesesteak. But what's actually worth wanting? What should we want to want? That's a great question. What in the end truly matters? That's significant as well. It's interesting, we were talking yesterday about you know, end of life things, it's, it's uh, with some friends, and, and there's no end of life things that I'm dealing with or any of us are dealing with, but you know, just watching parents get older and just that, yeah, what in the end is really gonna matter? I'll give you a hint, it's your commitments. But it's a great question to ask, like what in the end truly matters? And then the question we're gonna be looking at today is this one. How do we live the way we are actually responsible to live? These, this is an important one, folks, because we, we have to constantly be asking, how, why do these questions matter? And, and, and I think they matter because they create a paradigm for our life. And so much of life is, is to use uh, Rana Maria Rilke's beautiful poem. He said, so much of life isn't the answers per se. That's not part of the poem. <laughs> but the poetic part is where he says, we need to learn to love the questions. That's how we get to a life worth living. Not with answering them, but, but in terms of just allowing those questions. And when we allow those questions into our lives, they can kind of breathe. They kind of, they, they, they allow us to expand. It's, it's interesting, as a pastor, I've said this many times, but, but I see it all the time. I see it with myself. I see it with other people. You know, that question of what should I do next? And there's two very different ways to answer that. And, and one, or, or perspectives to have on that. One is the person who's kind of panicked, like, well, what should I do next? And the other is like, oh, what should I do next? Because life's open. The other one is a fear that actually closes our life. So these questions matter. And we're going to look today at one in particular. How do we live in the way we are actually responsible to live? 
Now, New Church Live, again, the vast majority of our audience is online. We have a small studio audience. So whether you're here in our studio audience or whether you're out there on the internet somewhere and you can answer these questions way down the road, I would love to hear from you as the musicians come out for our first song. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, why, what, what kind of life, when you look at that question, how do we live in the way we are actually responsible to live? And, and look at the word responsible. Respond able. Respond able. Not necessarily asking for the life that we like, per se, but when you think about it, and you take a moment, yeah, how do we live the way we are actually responsible to live? And that's not a big serious answer. It's one that actually, again, should open us up to breathe a little life into our lives and help us to move forward as we journey together looking at life worth living. Friends, great to be back with you. Welcome, welcome to New Church Live.
Thanks. Beautiful. Um, so what a beautiful song there, you know, and, and new beginning and new start. And, and to quote Anne Lamott here, always very quotable. And this quote is very quotable. It's never the bottom of the night. Never. We never come at this question, life worth living, and, and, and hold it like, well, life has passed me by. No, this is a question we can think about, and we can think about new beginnings and new starts. Here's a couple of answers that we got from folks, beautiful answers. And again, feel free to send them to me throughout the service. We have to start every thought or action with how to be loving. We have to be willing to change ideas from the past and think from how love leads. Beautiful idea there. What a, what a beautiful idea in terms of life we're responsible. Another person put it very simply and very powerfully, be loving and creative. I think that is what, what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to sort of think, yeah, what, are, what kind of life are we responsible to live? And, and then being open to what happens when we start to ask that question. Because again, it's not a question that, that has a closed answer to it. I think that's, this is just a big theological point, I think, is, is it's not that we come to the point of the answer. You know, it's not that it comes down to like one little period dot. It actually becomes this, this, this portal where we come to answers to this, be creative, be loving, learning how to let love lead. Joy, I would, I would throw in there joy, we're supposed to take joy as a stance in life. Uh, responsible, like remember people are never interruptions. You know, we can, I mean, million things we could write there. And all of those should really open us up. It's not like the final answer is something that opens us up. Because friends, religion doesn't work when it does this. It doesn't work when people weaponize certainty. It does not work when people weaponize their certainty. It's much more wide open. Jesus asked far more questions than he answered. I think one, one, one uh, pastor I read, he's like, he asks 120 questions, he answers four, something like that. Because those questions are what opens us up to life worth living. And they create a paradigm. And I want to share with you a story here. It's a beautiful paradigm. And it was a, I was listening to a podcast, I'm a big podcast listener, this gentleman, John Lennox. So John Lennox is a, a mathematics professor at, at Cambridge University. And that about says it all. <laughs> Anytime you can say, I teach math at Cambridge University, you're pretty darn smart. And he had a beautiful, beautiful conversation workshop he did at Harvard Medical School. Again, pretty, pretty Tony, pretty, uh, pretty high academics there, needless to say. And he was in this conversation with this, with what sounded like, it's a podcast, so I don't know exactly his age, what sounded like a younger doctor who comes more from the like, yeah, this God thing doesn't really work. But it wasn't an adversarial conversation. It was a really good conversation the two were having. And, and the beautiful part of it, folks, is like I'm listening to him talk, and, and it's really apparent that, that he's asking these questions, and he's being very gentle about it, and he's moving the conversation forward. And it really was creating a paradigm, a model, a way to see the world that can be deeply life-giving. And, and the conversation went on. And again, if you're interested in it, you can text me, 215-740-3662. You can text me, and I'll, I'll text you back the link for this particular podcast. And, and they're having the conversation. And then this, this younger doctor, you know, he pulls out, you know, kind of the ace in the hole, where you'll, you'll hear people talk about this with like, well, it's obvious there's no God. There's, there's just, there can't be a God. 
And what does he use to prove that, quote unquote? He says, well, I'm working with a young child right now, and this young child is gonna die within the next few weeks from cancer. So I just can't have faith. I can't have faith, I can't believe in God, because look, this is, this is what's happening in my practice. And it was, it was brilliant like hearing how John Lennox answered that. John Lennox didn't come out and say, well, obviously you're wrong, or, or that's part of God's plan. Don't ever tell somebody with a sick kid that's part of God's plan. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's an aberration. It's one of the imperfections of life because that's what life in this side of the veil is. It's imperfect. And he goes on, and, and, and John Lennox then said something. It was just this beautiful part of the paradigm. And he said, well, let's just take, for example, you know, the atheist view that there is no God, there is no meaning, there is no morality, all we are are a bunch of cells and, and DNA. If, if there is an ultimate truth, the ultimate truth is DNA. And then he closed it. He said, do you think, and he did it very gently. He said, speaking to the doctor, he said, do you think that that atheist viewpoint gives more comfort to the family than what I, as a Christian, believe I can talk to them about? And it was done, it was done so gently and so subtly. But it was a beautiful point. Because we can create paradigms where there is no God, DNA is the ultimate truth if there even is such a thing. We can't create paradigms and we can live like that. I think even in a certain way, we may be able to live with a degree of happiness like that. You can just enjoy life to a very superficial level. But life worth living is about how do we ask those deeper questions? And it's not, it's not asking deeper questions that necessarily comfort per se. They just, they just give us a worldview. It's, you know, religion is not about expertise. Religious experts are not terribly fun to hang around with. <laughs> it's about a worldview. It's about a way to see things, about a way to hold things. And when you hear a guy like John Lennox, who's, who's obviously brilliant and could reason every way upside, sideways, it could reason all kinds of things. Just his basic part of this, I think, was really important. And, and I think, folks, that what this means, to get on to the next slide here, is this, this key point. If we don't hear the questions, we might not hear the invitation. I think there is an invitation out there for all of us to live life that has deep meaning. The invitation is out there, and the question is, can we hear the questions enough to be able to to really then hear the invitation that's always underneath it. And what's, you know, what's the invitation that's underneath it? I, I don't even know whether I have words for what the invitation is, uh, but I sure have felt it a few times. I imagine you have too. Where it's just this beauty and there's peace, oftentimes accompanied by laughter, oftentimes accompanied by tears. And it's just this deepness. Deep calls psalmist, deep calls unto deep. At the sound of your waterfalls, all your waves crash over me. Beautiful psalm. 
Jesus talked a little bit about this invitation. It's interesting, many of you know this. You know, Jesus was, was, was big on talking about the kingdom of God, and he's not talking about the kingdom of God there and then. He's talking about as in heaven, so upon the earth, which is what our, what our prayer reads, as in heaven, so upon the earth. It's always how do we live that here and now. There is a then and there, and we're to do our best, our best, which won't be perfect, to live that here and now. And, and he consistently, the most, the, most, the most common paradigm he uses is a wedding banquet which brings a smile to my face. <laughs> you know, because, because that's, that's what we're to look at. You know, next time you're at a wedding, take a look around. Look at the laughter, the connection, the intergenerational stuff that's so beautiful. And know that God could have picked, Jesus could have picked a million paradigms. That's the one he picked. That's great theology. Now let's take a look at, at one of those stories. Here's one here, this story right here, if we could have it back up on the screen, where it says, oh, one more before, there we go. Then he said to the servants, this is a, the, the master, then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So they, they, he had had this big invitation, People didn't come to it. So he says this. So go out to the street corners, invite the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets, gathered all the, the people they could find. Notice the highlighted phrase there. The bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothing. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, now there, folks, it's, it's obvious, like there's a, there's a tension in there, right? And, and the tension part I would start out by saying is, is look, here it's saying like the good and the bad. He's, they're bringing them all in. And that's, that's a beautiful part just to start, that, that everybody gets the invitation. It's not, you know, this invitation, it's not about a special invitation to a club. It's not about somehow being special or set aside from the rest of humanity. It's being brought in as humanity. The good and the bad in you brought into this life, this deep life, this wholehearted life this purposeful, meaningful, filled life. That's what gets brought in. Is there a part that's not welcome there? Well, yeah, and that's where Christian New Church theology offers a really interesting insight. Uh, you know, where Emmanuel Swedenborg said, yeah, that, that, that part that isn't dressed right, you know, yeah, that part does get thrown out. And what part, he, he uses the word hypocrisy. He talks about, yeah, that's the part of us that's just hypocritical. That's the part of us that's, you know, I don't know, I'm, hopefully I'm not dating myself with language and hopefully none of my kids are watching right now, but remember a few years ago, the word poser, people would use poser a lot. You know, it's that part of us that's just artificial. The part of us that can't show up in the right way because it's just part that's just filled with hypocrisy, held with a certain image, but not really, really integrated into what life is. And that part can't come to the banquet. Thank goodness. <laughs> you know, that's actually really good news that that part 
is not going to be part of our future, that we will have a time where we can actually rid ourselves of that. And I think, folks, as we go through this, right, there's, there's, there's answers there as we, as we sort of come into this banquet, into this invitation. And notice there's an invitation here, wedding banquet. There's a paradigm, wedding banquet, beautiful combination of an, an invitation, a paradigm, a model. And as we look at that, as we look at what life are we responsible for, a life worth living, there are some answers we could come up with. I think one that, one that we, we, a lot of the time, come up with is long, happy, and healthy. If we have a long life, happy life, healthy life, that's all we need. Now, I don't want to say there's anything wrong with living a long, happy, healthy life. You know, long, happy, healthy life is really good. May you, may you be so blessed. And there are ways to kind of pull it beyond that. And, and folks, I, I, think about, I think about, you know, people. I'm just I'm going to ask you to do a little, a little thought experiment with me here. I want you to first think of someone who you know, boy, they really got it. They, if anyone lived a great life, a life worth living, or just say life worth living, they really got into the flow, this person comes to mind. Think of a list of people like that. And ask yourself this question. Who lived, in your experience, an incredibly good life, but it was short? They weren't around that long. Who's that for you? Great question to share with someone. The second one, happiness. Now, that's an interesting one. Who's someone you know in your life experience, you know just they just lived a really good life. But life wasn't necessarily always happy for them. And they lived a really good life. Who were they? And what about illness? What about illness? You know, who is someone you know who struggled with health issues maybe their entire life? And yet, they lived a really good life. Who were they? Whose name comes to mind? This is just one way to say, like, long, happy, healthy, nothing wrong with that. But there are ways to live an incredibly good life beyond that. I think of this beautiful line, with, with, which some of you know. This is Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King, down in Memphis, the, the, the day before he was assassinated, he gave this beautiful speech. You can watch it on YouTube. It's incredibly powerful. And he clearly was a bit prescient. He clearly, he clearly kind of had an inkling that his end, his time in life was coming to an end. And this is what he said. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So, so there's somebody didn't live a, a long life, but wow, what a good life. And, and I think about again, for me, that, that question of, 
of happiness. I, I mean, some of, the, some of the real real pillars of American society historically weren't necessarily happy the whole way through. I mean, Abraham Lincoln's an example. George Marshall's a prime example. Like, these people were driven by a sense of responsibility, not by a sense of happiness. Because they probably wouldn't have chosen to lead if, it, if they really believed happiness was the only thing that their lives were about. And then I think the illness one, too. You know, what comes to my mind, we had him on this stage. Wonderful man, Dan Gottlieb. You can go back into our archives and listen to the service he did. Dan, Dan Gottlieb is a quadriplegic. Uh, he was in a car accident and has, was in his, in his, believe, in his late 20s, early 30s, had quadriplegia. Um, and... And you know, he came here, spoke, he was just incredible. And, and then we're out there in the, in the lobby here at New Church Live, chatting with him after the service. And, and he, just, he, just, he just, you know, nudges me a little bit and, and uh, with, his, with a hand gesture and just says, you know, Chuck, like, life is so good. You know, this is a guy with quadriplegia. What did he truly know? He knew that life is good. Those, those are the kind of people, folks, that I think somehow give us this deeper sense and move us towards this second answer, answer number two. And answer number two is about responsibility. How do we really find lives that, that, that have that sense of responsibility, that, that, that really where we're open to what the responsibilities are right in front of us? It was interesting this week, this week, was my, my 40th high school reunion. So I was back for my 40th high school reunion. And we went out to dinner with some friends and the, the conversation question for that night, what would your 58-year-old self tell your 18-year-old self? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of a, fun, a, fun, a fun question. I mean, and obviously there's a lot there when 58 talking to 18, uh, you know, there's a lot there about like, look, it's all gonna be okay. You're gonna have a lot of hard days, a lot of challenges, it's all gonna be okay, a lot of that. And then as we went around and everybody had a chance to share, it really coalesced around two answers that were just so good, they were so good. And it was this idea, what your 58-year-old tell your 18-year-old self? A lot of people talked about being present. Like really being present. Really being present to the person right in front of you. Really being present to the life situation you find yourself in. Really being present to yourself. Really being present to the better angels of your nature. Really being present to God. And the other one, and they quoted Ted Lasso on this, <laughs> which is better to be curious than judgmental. So be present and be curious. That was the consensus of what a 58-year-old should tell their 18-year-old self. That's a beautiful line, and that, and that gets us down to this responsibility because we can, we can find the life we're responsible for literally by being present to the life we have, the life that God has given us, and the people that are in our life, really being present to that and being deeply curious about the relationship, deeply curious about growth, deeply curious, this is really important, about how we can serve that person. Last night, there was somebody who was asking questions that were right along that line, and it's a, it's a dear friend, somebody I played football with back in the day, 
And, and he said, Chuck, so what's surprising to you these days? And he said it with a smile. Those kind of questions, folks, like that's how we get present and curious. They're questions that we don't know the answer to. I mean, think how many questions you ask people that you already know the answer. Is that such a good idea? We know the answer to that. But ask a question like, what's surprising you now? What's on the front burner for you these days? What's on your heart? Who's on your heart? Those are the questions, folks, that, that give us this presence and this curiosity that then builds this beautiful Christian responsibility. And I think it'd be the same if I was talking in a synagogue. I'm sure there's a rabbi somewhere saying the exact same thing. It's not a message unique to Christianity. It's a message critical for humanity. And so much beauty can come out of that. Because what does it give us, folks? When we start asking that question, the question, it becomes this idea, and I, I want to be real careful with my language here because I think this is something that resonated for me. It gives us a life-giving standard. A life-giving standard. So the standard now is no longer, oh, what will I like to do this afternoon? Which, you know, it's a legitimate question to ask. You know, fun, you know, watch football, whatever. But, but can we go just one step further as well? Not getting rid of this question, but, but just take it that one step further. Because when we do, we start asking, yeah, what kind of life am I responsible for? How can I live a responsible life? It gives this life-giving standard. Folks, what kind of world would we create if we were all asking that question? What kind of world? Two very different worlds. If, if, our own, if the best question we can come up with is, what do you want to do today? <laughs> oh, that's it. That's pretty shallow. Surface. No life-giving standard there. A lot of entertainment, a lot of fun, but no life-giving standard. So let's take a look at that life-giving standard. Let's take a look at, at life worth living and putting something out there that can pull us forward moving us into a brand new, reimagined, hope-filled, joy-filled future. Did I know you once? 
in another life are we here just once or a billion times well i wish i knew but it doesn't matter cause you're here right now and i know what i feel and these are real things yeah these are real things oh what a It's hard to believe Thank God it's not Too good to be true Oh, what a world And then there is you These are real things, yeah, these are real things, oh, what a world, don't want to leave, all kinds of magic all around us, it's hard to believe, thank God it's not too good to be Thank you. You know, I, I hear her hit a note like that. I think, how does she do that? That is, that is just so, so beautiful. And yeah, folks, we got some other beautiful answers in throughout the service about that, that question. Um, you know, this is a beautiful one. I try to remember that the Lord has no enemies, loves everyone. He said, love your enemies. I get drawn off, invited in my life in the world to do battle. It is a distraction from the higher path I'm called to walk. Peace begins with me choosing to ask myself, how can I love this enemy who is a child of God? Beautifully said. Another person said, uh, yep, a couple people asking for the, which I will send you, a few people asking for the podcast. I'd be glad to send that. Another person writes, loving and serving our neighbors. Beautiful. I loved this one, because this one like talks about, yeah, God puts us in the worlds we're to work with. No matter what industry you serve, I believe it all comes down to taking care of other humans, customers, clients, vendors, suppliers alike. So, socially, it's listening better than offering advice. Beautiful line there. Hold people. Don't always rush to solve their problems. Ooh, that is good stuff. And there's some other ones in there too, folks. But those, those are the kind of perspectives. Like, isn't it interesting that, that, that we all kind of know this stuff, right? It's, it's always fascinating to me hearing these responses. And, and totally, honestly, I don't edit them. But people are filled with such wisdom. And when we start down this path of questions, people have beautiful answers to them. They really do. And can we create things together and understanding, again, that that the beautiful part of life is, is this, like 
we get to answer this, we get to answer it together. How good is that? A little, a little aside about that togetherness, meaning, meaning, having great meaning to me. Named after both my grandfathers, Charles and Edmund. Charles Brown, literally Charlie Brown, and, and Edmund Blair. And so when they both passed, I got both their wedding rings. Passed years apart, but that was just very nice of my parents on both sides to do that. And when Susan and I got married, the wedding ring that I have, actually we took both those wedding rings and melted them together. So I have a wedding ring that has both of my grandparents' wedding rings in it. To me, that's just that reminder of a river runs through it. It's, it's a reminder that, that there's this flow of life, this this life worth living, and, and, and we want to hold on to it, and we want to celebrate it, we want to get that we get to do this together. We get to answer these questions together. That's a lot different than, than sitting out on the sidelines of life, sort of casting judgments on how everyone else is doing it. No, this is where we're really in, where our oars are in the water, if you like boating. Our oars are in the water, we're actually doing something around this. I love this idea by, by C.S. Lewis. It's a beautiful concept. He said, friendship, true friendship, shares not, not just companionship, but a question. The one who shares the same question is of great importance, even though they don't agree with us about the answer. And that's, that's just so good. I mean, I, I, you know, there's, there's, there's so much great language out there in the world. And, and people like that, reading that quote, don't we just know that to be true? Think of who your truly best friends are. Don't you share in a certain sense certain questions with them? You may, and those questions may never have been said at the dinner table. Never have been said. But, but somehow, those questions are, are part of our life. And we just kind of know it. And hopefully they get asked on occasion around the dinner table. But that's what starts to open us up into a new way of seeing life and holding life and creating a paradigm. And folks, that life of faith, I'll close with this. You know, that paradigm is so important. It, it really matters. Having a paradigm that can hold the questions, have a paradigm that can hold people, have a paradigm that can hold it all and can, can really move us into that life-giving standard and it's a place where maybe even we can start to hear God in a, in a brand new way. One of the questions we were talking about, the 40th reunion, somebody said, yeah, how do, you know, asking me as a pastor, how do I have a personal relationship with God? Great question. I, I don't have the perfect answer for that. I mean, just what I would offer is lean in. Lean into the life you have. Be present and curious about what's right in front of you. Hold a bigger paradigm. And maybe, maybe, in all the trials and tribulations, you can start to hear God's voice. Take a look at this video. A few minutes later, uh, the nurse starts working on her, puts her pamper on her, and uh, I'm not saying anything, and she actually starts to cry again. Then I speak up, she hears my voice, 
and stops crying like again. But I want you to notice what else happens after I tell her that I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. That's just phenomenal. <laughs> like, whoa. Here's the thing. We'll always have times where we're not as comfortable, probably even to the point of tears, where life is just heavy. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice because he is trying to talk to you. And I can tell you what he wants you to know is that he loves you. All you got to do is open your eyes. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Be still, be still, and know that I'm God. I think that's what the Lord wants us to know. I think that's what Jesus wants us to know, that there is this loving God, God is love, that's, as somebody said, that becomes the starting point, that becomes the default, that becomes how we start to enter life. And just again, imagine, you know, imagine the world we can create. And we do it in small ways. It's not like you try, you go out of church and you change the world in a day. We don't. We change the world. We change our world as best we can immediately around us. And then, and then just start to see what happens. Start to see how things unfold. Start to really hear that voice. And know that you're loved. Know deeply that you're loved and loved and that God is here too. Amen. So we close our service with just a meditative part here, prayerful part. I would like just to again invite you if you're interested in joining a conversation around life worth living, you can go to our website, you can sign up, we'll send you a book. Don't worry if you read the book or not, we have a Cliff Notes version for you as well. It's much, much shorter. And just a way to have this, this conversation with people from all across the country, which is a lot of fun. So friends, let's close the service now together. And we're gonna start with a little prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for this reminder this reminder for us to just start to think through what kind of life are we responsible for? Again, placing us in that spot of being a servant. Responsible. Responsible to you, to our loved ones, to our spouses, to our partners, to our families, to our communities, to our world. Allow us to start to think deeply, to sink in to that question and to find there something life-giving. And Lord, as well, allow us to be present and curious about the lives we have and the, the paradigm that you've asked us to hold as a way not to solve all the problems per se, but just as a worldview, not that we're coming to it as experts, but that we're coming to it as your children, willing to be led willing to listen, 
willing to help, willing to be all those things. And finally, Lord, help us just to hear your voice, to hear your voice and to know how deeply we are loved and help us in some way on hearing that, to reflect that into the world. In your name we pray, amen. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And a final blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. the lines yeah. we've been conditioned to not make mistakes but I can't live that way no no staring at the blank page before you open up the dirty window let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find reaching for something in the distance so close you can almost taste it release your inhibitions rain on your skin no one else can feel it for you only you can let it in no one else no one else can speak the words on your lips drench yourself in words unspoken live your life with arms wide open today is where your book begins the rest is still
thank page before you open up the dirty window let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find reaching for something in the distance so close you can almost taste it release your inner vision feel the rain on your skin no one else can feel it for you only you can let it in no one else Speak the words on your lips Drench yourself in words unspoken Live your life with arms wide open Today is where your book begins The rest is still unwritten The rest is still unwritten The rest is still Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find.